Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We are heading into the last race before the North America and South America swing and could not be more excited. It's also a sprint weekend, which we'll discuss. So we'll quickly dive into everything you need to know for Qatar before we're getting to the main event, which was our conversation with Indy Next champion Christian Rasmussen. We met him at the Laguna Seca race. For those of you who saw our reel, he is the pickleball fanatic, so just already iconic. And he's just the best to talk to, so can't wait for you all to hear and see it, which is another reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have lots of fun visual content and interviews coming for you this fall, some of which will not live on Spotify and Apple. So here's another reminder to head on over there and subscribe. But with that, let's get to it. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. Okay, so let's jump into this track. We're going to Doha in Qatar. Actually, the track is just outside of Doha, but this is a super new Grand Prix. It's going to be really exciting for a lot of us. It was first held in 2021. That was like their inaugural race, but then it didn't happen in 2022 because if we can remember, it was the FIFA World Cup in Qatar last year. So they did not have them together. So this race will be rejoining the calendar this weekend as yet another night race, which we love. And it's on a 10-year contract, which is insane. Wow. It's yeah. going to be here for a long time. So the circuit, the Lucille International Circuit, it was originally built in 2004 for Qatar's first ever MotoGP event in 2004. 57 laps, 5.4 kilometers. Hamilton won in 2021, but the fastest lap and lap record goes to max at 123.2. So this was like the height of their battles in 2021. The so good old days. <laughs> probably won't be seeing a repeat of that, but that's okay. <laughs> no, yes so- to you. <laughs> Hamilton's going to come back and win the championship. You heard it here first. <laughs> Just kidding. So what to expect? It's pretty fast, flowy, mostly medium and high-speed corners. The main straight is quite long, so hopefully there will be plenty of overtaking opportunities into turn one. They resurfaced the track, and it has new curbs. So fun fact, the circuit is actually surrounded by artificial grass to stop the sand from blowing onto the track. So this is true of some of the Middle Eastern area tracks, but also true in Qatar. So new, new surface. New, new, new. We love new, baby. It's also (laughs) when we were at the IndyCar race a few weeks ago, that track had just been fully resurfaced and it honestly makes for a completely different race. Mindset of the drivers is really different. Strategy is different. It's a lot more challenging. Um, So we always love to see a little curveball thrown in there. So for last year's race, like we said, we didn't have one um, and that was because of the World Cup. They actually came under, they being Qatar, came under human rights criticism surrounding the World Cup, including the treatment of workers and persecuted groups. I think a lot of us can remember the news around that. Um, Just something interesting to to note in the broader conversation of sports washing. But anyways, there was no F1 GP there last year. But for 2021, we had Lewis coming out on top, Max in P2, and then we had Alonso in P3. And fun fact, that was actually his first podium since 2014 so probably felt good for him then um and definitely like a little pre 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 vibe foreshadowing foreshadowing (laughs) pre vibe pre vibe (laughs) let's just replace that word (laughs) um and like tiggy said it was like the height of the lewis max battle towards the end of their championship after lewis had 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 that big resurgence in brazil um a lot of give and take there So that's the track. That's the race. Let's talk about the teams. Tiggy, why don't we kick it off with Red Bull? 
For the teams, for Red Bull, all Max needs to win the championship is to finish inside the top six during Saturday's sprint or outscore Checo by three points across the weekend to win his third. So there's this interesting debate about whether it will be anticlimactic to have it happen in the sprint instead of on Sunday. I this doesn't bother me that much to be honest. Like, yeah, maybe it would be better to be to win in a race, but he's so dominant that it's really yeah, at this point it's a matter of when rather than if or how. So yeah, to be honest, like people are like, oh, there should be rules that make it so you can't win a championship in a sprint. And like, okay, maybe if it had been 2021 and Lewis and Checo were like, or Lewis and Max were wheel to wheel and it was crazy like maybe save it for the race but this did not even cross my mind because like you said max is already so dominant like it's six of one half dozen of the other so favorite uh, expression (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean i don't think it'll be anticlimactic and i just feel bad like poor max does tend to have anticlimactic world championship winning moments but you know once you're at the top you can't complain yeah i mean he had the most claim climactic championship win in 2021 and since then it's sort of been boring or anticlimactic last year i did feel really bad for him but hopefully they will be rolling out the red carpet regardless of its of whether it's sprint or real race but meanwhile checo really needs to perform to make sure lewis can't close the gap to p2 in the championship as a reminder red bull has never finished one two in the driver's championship and lewis is only 33 points behind so lots of points up for grabs this weekend with the sprint it's going to be interesting i know lewis i'm sure has in his mind to to be getting that p2 or to be chasing that would be so um so good for lewis i feel like he needs that but selfishly i'm like checo (laughs) my friend Okay, so Ferrari. So someone actually did a really interesting analysis on Twitter comparing Sainz and Leclerc's stats this season, which is cool to see side to side because, I don't know, sometimes I feel like- They're like even. It's weird. But I feel like they do swing back and forth, and so you can never really tell. They're never both dominant at the same time. Let's just put it that way. So Charles has has outperformed Carlos nine versus seven times in quali, and he's been on podium more frequently, but Sainz has more points and the better, quote, best finish and least DNF. So there's lots of different ways to slice that pie. Um, So we'll have to just see which one um, can jump ahead this weekend. Yeah, the number one driver debate at Ferrari rages on, so (laughs) we'll see. For Mercedes, 20 points between Mercedes and Ferrari, so the fight for P2 is also tight. The highlight of this week was Mercedes posting Lewis with friendship bracelets uh, with a Taylor Swift lyric caption, so... Uh, Also, Mercedes admin posting a ketchup and seemingly ranch joke. Just really whoever runs this account deserves a raise. I feel like we say that about. (laughs) Do we feel like the ketchup and seemingly ranch joke joke is a little bit niche? No. I think. I think. You are listening and you don't know what it is. (laughs) Give it a Google and then let us know if you think it's too niche. (laughs) Fair. Fair. But the Taylor Swift, Travis, Kelsey you know, story is sweeping both the nation and the world. So it is. yeah, I don't know. It might be a little niche. Anyway, <laughs> F1 Twitter also had the sort of cheeky stat that Lewis has won every race in Qatar. But as we said, they've only raced once. So it's not not true, but a little bit of selective bias here. <laughs> For Alpine, Pierre is fresh off of Paris Fashion Week feeling ready to go, and his Instagram caption for his mini, mini, mini break was, 
batteries recharged. So let's go. <laughs> um, there was some tension post Suzuka because of the last minute team orders and Akon and Gasly definitely aren't even the best of friends to begin with. So hopefully all of that is in the past. They can focus on the weekend. And in other news, Alpine is reportedly in talks with Mick about Mick racing in one of their other series, like it's an endurance championship next year. So hopefully, or maybe we'll start to see Mick thrown more into the Alpine family mix and see what happens. Yeah, and Sebastian Vettel is also p- apparently potentially in talks for World Endurance Championship. Maybe they could be teammates reunited. Cute. For McLaren, we are ready to see them keep carrying their momentum forward, attempting to catch Aston Martin for P4 and Constructors. They're only 49 points behind, so they've also more than doubled Aston Martin's points in the last eight races. So the momentum really is with them at this point, especially as Oscar continues to find his form, his consistency. Speaking of him, he's fresh off his maiden podium in Japan, and as we know, he was quite hard on himself about his pace despite that massive result. He mentioned post-race that the biggest thing he's focused on is improving in high degradation races with tire management. And he was saying that that's not really something juniors get a lot of experience with in other series. So it's just about doing the reps, doing the races in F1 and improving on that. So, you know, I guess that's why he's great. He's hard on himself and he's a perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) A couple other McLaren news items. So Autosport and others are reporting that McLaren is embarking on an ideas exchange with Toyota, which is raising the question of whether Toyota is interested in a potential comeback to F1. More details on what that would entail to come, but super interesting. And I guess it's somewhat related, but in some other fun McLaren technology MTC center news, the new McLaren wind tunnel is officially up and running. So they had previously been using Toyota's wind tunnel in Germany for over a decade. So this is huge. It's a part of the huge investments that the team is making in their facilities. Um, Fits a 60% scale model of their car, which is standard. It's the maximum size allowed for a wind tunnel. But that's those are big moves. It's obviously very coveted to have your own wind tunnel in F1 and not all teams have one. Okay, that is really cool, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make a joke of this, but a 60% scale model of the car, when it's done being tested, someone give it to like their kid or something as a fun little toy. <laughs> 60% is massive. They're teenager. They're teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Here. <laughs> That's really cool, though. Yeah, it's a huge deal to have your own wind tunnel um, and leave it to McLaren to have the coolest one. Yes, the newest. Alfa Romeo, they had a very tough race in Japan with Bottas being the victim of the Logan contact. Both him and Joe are definitely hoping for a better weekend in Qatar. For Alfa Tauri, it's looking like Lawson is going to race again this weekend. And then Danny will, of course, make his big return for Austin. So you think he'll be on a horse again? Honestly, he <laughs> might even be on like six horses at once on like a big throne. Who knows? But leave it to him um, to, to have a comeback lined up nicely with Austin. Good for him. So... Even though Liam has been racing a lot and has been doing seemingly really well, his F1 odds are looking pretty slim for next year. I think his only remaining hope is the Logan seat, which hasn't been fully locked in yet. Um, But it was cool that he made a splash, got his name on the radar for everyone else. And it'll definitely be interesting to see how Liam um, and Yuki stack up on this track. And then kind of AlphaTauri news, Nick DeVries, who of course lost his seat midseason, will be returning to Formula E. So good for him. Yes, back home for him with Mahindra. So that's that's exciting. 
For Haas, they recently had a big makeover to their garage setup at races, which is the first time they've upgraded since joining F1 in 2015. Apparently, it took about eight months. The most noticeable upgrade is that central, quote, engineering island has a lot of uh, a lot of teams have that to help improve comms between engineers, other team members. We saw this set up in the McLaren garage in Austria, and it 100 percent makes sense, like I think overdue for Haas to, to upgrade or do a little bit of a facelift for their garage. Um, there's an article in the race for people who are curious about all the details, but they're not bringing upgrades to Qatar. They're planning on bringing big, big upgrades to Austin. So hopefully that will we'll see some really good movement from them starting in Austin. And one thing when we'll talk about the Andretti Cadillac news item, but it's particularly interesting for Haas as sort of the token, quote, American team on the grid right now. So if Andretti and Cadillac come in, that's like born and bred America. So it's going to be interesting for Haas. I wonder... Chipotle, if Chipotle sticks around. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I think the quote-unquote American team uh, conversation is super interesting because Haas is the token American team, but I almost get like more fun American team vibes from McLaren because of yeah. their involvement in so many of the other series. So that'll be very interesting. For Aston Martin, as we all know, they have or are really losing the development race. Team principal Crack said that for morale and for next year, they really just need to finish one race on more of a high note for the rest of the season. I think this was actually really cool though for Aston Martin to see what they can accomplish. Like they had a great car at the beginning of the season and now they have that kind of unlock. And then for next year, they can focus on maintaining all of that momentum, but they could potentially drop to P5 and constructors with McLaren's resurgence. But again, Crack said that morale is still strong despite the drop-off, um, which I think is a very positive media train thing to say. And <laughs> we hope that the whole team is feeling excited for the weekend. And for Williams, so we have to discuss this James Vowell's video about Logan Seat. Pretty unusual, super interesting. He was saying that there are clear expectations and targets for him to meet, and he emphasized how difficult it is for rookies, how Logan hasn't had F1 testing experience. Basically, the message was like, we fully back Logan, and let me tell you publicly like how we're thinking about it at the team, which... As we know, being F1 fans is super rare. Like, I think it was very, in my mind, quite refreshing for yeah. a team principal to like come on the air to the entire social media following and internet and be like, look, we know what people are saying about our driver. We fully back him. Here are the reasons why. And here are the targets he has to meet. Like, whether or not you believe Logan deserves a seat right now, I thought that video was was really refreshing. So I yeah. like that. Yeah, that's super interesting. And almost like that level of transparency is super reminiscent to when Mercedes did the open letter to fans about how, you know, they're not as great or as far ahead as they would have liked. And I think it's so cool when you start to see that. And it makes sense just given how engaged the fan base is in social media and how much more of the team they usually get to see. And so with that comes, I think, a certain level of expectation of knowing what's going on behind the scenes and I think it was a very classy move for Williams and hopefully the targets that they laid out for for Logan on air are the same as the ones that they're getting <laughs> him behind the curtain. So we're rooting for him. This is a great segue to hot takes. So okay. for me, I'm going to say Logan points. I think I think it's going to happen. He still has not scored a point so far this season, but 
the pressure's on leading into the U.S. races, obviously his home. So I think he's going to score points. I like that. That's a nice, wholesome, hot take and prediction. <laughs> For me, Tiggy, I think you're going to love this one. I'm going to say Lewis Ooh. Podium. Uh, yes. As much as I would like to see Checo come ahead of him, I think, like you said, Lewis has won the most races in Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be nice for him to continue to have a positive experience at this track. And then I think going on the momentum discussion we had, I think we'll also see a McLaren on podium as well. Wow. That is a dream hot take for me. Thank you for your service. You are welcome. <laughs> I did that one just for you. All right. For some news this week, the biggest news item, the FIA officially accepted Andretti's bid. So step one is complete to have an 11th team on the grid. As a reminder, there were four bids, I believe, and all, all three except for Andretti were uh, denied. Still needs to get accepted by F1 and other rights holders. So the next step is, you know, going to Stefano Domenicali and, and F1 and various rights holders. I love the idea of having two more seats for drivers. I mean, I'm I'm excited about Andretti and Cadillac as a franchise and an entity, but even just, you know, as we're talking about like Liam not being able to have a seat yeah. and all these rookies and drivers who they're just, you know, 20 seats is nothing. So I'm excited for that angle. And when it's confirmed, I'm excited to have the debate of who's getting seats. But <laughs> <laughs> like we were talking about the American angle, super interesting. I really hope, you know, if they join, it continues to grow the sport here F1 put out a very simple statement after the FIA's approval, basically just saying, we'll review the application in our own process and time. So hard to make bets on whether Andretti will actually make it through, but I'm going to be optimistic and say it's going to happen. I, I think, think it will be so fun. Yeah. And I always love when a new season starts with a lot of new faces. Like I feel like we had a lot of good fresh meat this year and we're not going to have as much next Fresh year, so. meat. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it'll be cool help yeah to have um some new faces next year and um yeah I think I think the biggest thing is like I feel like Toto is probably just like seething like he's not sleeping and just like <laughs> with his eyes wide open he is not a big fan of this so I think like of course F1 when they start to review this process however they do it I think it's probably gonna have to take into account like how much the other team principals could give them a hard time and get on board and kind of a campaign to try to get everyone to accept this. Yes, the lobbying to exactly. F1 and Stefano is real. So last piece of quick news, some updates to the 2026 regulations have been released. So car width is being reduced to 190 centimeters from 200 centimeters now. So smaller cars and smaller wings will result in less downforce. Some are saying almost 40% less. So going to be super interesting. We'll update you more as more comes out. But if you haven't listened to the what are the 2026 regulations for the world episode, then go do that because it, it explains a lot of what's happening in a few years. And with that, we'll head over to our interview with Christian. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west 
podcast. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, only at Tacovas.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to For the Girls. We are here with a very special guest. We're here with Christian Rasmussen, the Indie Next by Firestone 2023 champion. So Indie Next is the development series for IndyCar. So kind of think of it as the sort of F2 to F1 for our F1 people out there. This was his second season in the development series. He's from Denmark. He's the first Danish driver to win this championship. And he's only one of two drivers to have won titles at every level leading up to the IndyCar series. So for our F1 folks, that's basically the equivalent of winning every title in the F4, F3, F2 pipeline. So really incredible. He leads Indy Next in wins, podiums, top 10, laps led. So Christian, what don't you do? Thanks for being here. We're super excited to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it sounds uh, it sounds pretty good when you, <laughs> when you set it up like <laughs> I that. I know. You know, it's... Uh, it's been an amazing year. Um, super proud of of what we have accomplished this year, and and not only this year. You know, you you mentioned it yourself. I'm one of two that have won all three uh, levels at the Road to Indy, and I'm the first uh, Danish driver not to only to win Indy Next, but also to win an open wheel, uh, uh, open wheel championship in in the United States. Um, no no one has done that before, so that's uh, that's a pretty cool accomplishment too. That's amazing. We're speaking to a true pro here. <laughs> so actually, let's go back to Denmark and growing up in Denmark. So we heard that your dad had a car dealership back home, and that's kind of how you were introduced to auto culture, mm-hmm. ultimately to racing as well. What was that like, like getting your start in motorsport, having your family support you along the way there? No, it's been amazing. My my family has been part of the journey, you know, from from a very young age. You know, like you say, I got introduced to to cars and to racing through my dad. Uh, my dad didn't used to drive himself. He obviously owns a car dealership now with, with a shop to it as well, but used to, to wrench on, on race cars back in the day whenever he was younger, before I was born. Um, but so, you know, so like the, the interest for racing and all of that stuff were, were all, always there from a very young age. It was, you know, hot wheels and, and racing cars I would play with as a kid. Um, and then it was actually my my older cousins that that started racing on like a local trek uh, rental car trek uh, close to home and and then you know being a few years younger i thought that that could be a cool thing to to try out so we went tried out and th- it turned into this you know sunday ritual that all the family would go out to the local karting trek and, and have fun with it and then it's just oh, cool. been a s- snowball effect from there you know it's just gotten bigger and faster and and better in every way we love a Sunday race car motorsport ritual. <laughs> um, what's the racing culture like in, in Denmark? Is it really um, like, is it very steeped in it or was it kind of hard for you to break out? It, it's not easy. Uh, you know, Denmark is first of all, a very small country. Uh, and I think we have, we have a few karting tracks, but we, I think we only have like three racetracks in in the whole country uh you know wow. i say a few I, I mean more than two but um yeah so it's not it's not very big in denmark you know we have we have some good race car drivers that has come out of denmark uh but 
just because that they move out of the the country you know very early on um and my family is a very you know regular middle class class family so like to make it in racing it it takes a lot of, of funding and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that to to make it so we kind of looked at it and i after i did my my danish f4 campaign in 2017 I, we kind of looked at it and saw where do i have the biggest opportunities and have the biggest chance of make it in racing without having to use a lot of money ourselves because we we just couldn't and so we we looked to the us uh, and saw that there was this scholarship system in place and thought that could be a, a great opportunity for me to progress my career without having to to find full budgets for each year because that just simply wasn't wasn't possible for us yeah yeah, you're forced to just be so much more resourceful. And I hope that motorsport is becoming better in that sense and getting people into the pipeline, not requiring so much financially to develop really talented young drivers, but such a testament to you, your family, your skills that you're able to, to do that. So fast forwarding to this season, it's probably difficult to pick in such a dominant year, but did you have a 2023 season highlight for you? For me, my highlight of the year was, I have two really. Uh, first one <laughs> was, you know, coming into to the last bit of the, 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 bit of the season in, in St. Louis, um, the oval race. I started on pole, got overtaken when we, we came up to, to lap traffic by Hunter McElray, who was my main competitor um, at the time in the series. Um, he was closest in points. So... He got he got by me, but then a few laps after that, I got the lead back and and drove to to win the race. So I thought that was super cool. That was kind of a testament of of what we can do, uh, and you know to not panic even though things doesn't go your way, and and yeah. get back on top and and win the race. You know that that kind of led into to the last spree of of, of good results towards the end which obviously got us got us the championship um but i thought that was you know really the the opening of okay it's it's christian rasmussen that's that's the one to look out for here my other highlight awesome. sorry I, I i just keep talking my other highlight <laughs> was, uh, was the last race very last race at laguna seca um you know the first race i started second knew that I just had to survive the race, basically. Uh, I, I started second, was second on the first lap and didn't really push super hard. Just I didn't want to make a mistake and, and throw the car off the track. That was really the only thing that could could lead to me not winning the championship. Um, so I knew that if I finished second in that race, even though Hunter, that was the closest in point, won it, uh, I would still win the championship. I would clinch the championship in that race. So race two started on pole, had already won the championship. It was just, you know, all bets off, you know, I just went out, enjoyed <laughs> the so race, fun. you know, enjoyed the race, had nothing to worry about and absolutely dominated it. You know, I think I, I think the biggest margin uh, in this season was a race that was won by seven seconds and I won it by 17, uh, the last <laughs> there race. There you go. Yeah, so, and that's, that's incredible. A hard, that's a hard race too. To, that was a hard weekend. It's super hard weekend, uh, especially with, you know, all the new pavement stuff. Uh, there was yeah. a lot of unknowns going into the weekend. But, 
you know, it, that was that was an awesome. And then afterwards, celebrating with my family that I had there, uh, Christian Lundgaard came up and, and congratulated me. And it was, uh, yeah, super cool moment. Does your family kind of come to a lot of the races in the U.S. or do they spend most of their time in, in Denmark and watching remotely? They spend most of their time in Denmark. Uh, my mom can't even watch the races. She doesn't even watch the races. She she watches <laughs> she the replays <laughs> after when she knows that it Aww. has gone well. Uh, so uh, they don't come out to a lot of races also because they have their own businesses going on back home in Denmark. So right. whenever they are away, not only do they have to pay to, to get over here, but also their business is, is standing still. Um, yeah, but they come over as as much as they can. You know, they love to be here to support me and and stuff like that. Um. So, but but I feel like it makes it extra special when they are there, and then obviously that was the weekend to be there. That's so nice. Yeah, and it's probably easy for them too, knowing that you're already crushing it without them. So you have it under <laughs> yeah. control. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thinking about next season, what are you most excited about? What are your biggest goals besides winning the championship again? Well, I think the, the biggest goal is obviously to get into IndyCar, first of all. Uh, yeah. You know, even though that I won the championship and uh, and the prize award, nothing is set in stone. Like, you, you aren't, you know, set in stone to you're going to run the full season. So, first of all, I want to secure my myself a seat full time in the series. And then I just want to, you know, learn as much as I can. You know, um, I think, yes, obviously winning a championship is, is always going to be the goal. It always has to be the goal. But I think in how competitive IndyCar is today, I don't know how, how you know, possible that is. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go in. Uh, and compete for you know rookie of the year and 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 do all the stuff that you're supposed to do as a rookie, and then really look to to improve my career in in, in the following years after that. Yeah, well, we're super excited to watch along and cheer you on. Um, so we have to ask as a as a non American, you being from Denmark, what are your perspectives on sort of American racing culture? How would you sort of characterize the fan base? I know you live in America now and you spend a lot of time racing here. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I think it's a great question and I absolutely love it. Absolutely That's awesome. love it. I think that, <laughs> that was the first big thing that I noticed about being in the US, but it's it's not only racing, it's it's all sports. You know, there's such a big fan base and, and yeah. such a great culture around sport in general here in the US, which I think is is so awesome. Uh, it's so awesome to be a part of. Um and it's just like in the racing world as well, obviously I've been a little bit in Europe, not not too much, uh only karting stuff, but um have spent the majority of my 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 open wheel career here in the US um but knowing a little bit of also from what i hear from from people that i know that race in europe and stuff like that is that the culture around racing in the US is just so cool because everybody is in it because they just love racing you know where yeah. in europe it can be a little bit you know colder and a little bit more you know always focused on, yeah. on yourself and, and and stuff like that where you kind of get more of a team aspect and you know a family aspect here in the u.s which i'm i'm a big fan of myself yeah it's the best um 
Thinking about other drivers, I know you mentioned there was some great Danish drivers that have come before you. Do you have like a motorsport role model or someone that you're looking to to help you kind of grow as you map out your career? Um, not really, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a lot of people that I respect, uh, a lot of people that I think that I aspire to, to, to do as well as, um, mm -hmm. but in terms of, of that, I, I wouldn't say I really have anything in particular that, that, that really comes to mind. Charting your own path. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. That's totally fair. A little bit. And, and, I, <laughs> and I think that I, I think I kind of showed that early on, you know, it's, it's kind of a being from Europe and being from, from Denmark in particular, the route to go within racing is in Europe and up towards Formula One. Uh, right, so right. I I took that um, decision early on to to pursue the United States and pursue IndyCar, uh, which hadn't really been been done before. Um, you That's know, so I, I I was a little bit bit unique in in that way. Um, but it's the best decision that I ever made, and you know, and it's just now starting to to pay off. Obviously, I've had great experiences, uh, professional as well as personal experiences here in the United States. Um, but professionally, it's really starting to to pay off now, where I'm just you know on on the verge of of getting into IndyCar. Definitely. Well, as Americans, we're selfishly happy about that choice. So <laughs> glad yeah. to have you here. But as an F1 podcast, we do have to ask, since you are from Denmark, uh, do you cheer on Kevin Magnussen? Do you know him at all <laughs> from a racing no, perspective? Of, of course, of course, I cheer on Kevin. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, I, I I know Kevin a little bit. Um, I used to race with his brother in, in go-karts, nice. so oh. know the fam family through that. And in 2017 when i did danish f4 i actually raced with the magnuson racing experience which was cool. his dad's team um so i know the magnusons a little bit through that and obviously do everything i can to to, to cheer him on uh, we don't you know <laughs> talk I, I wouldn't say kevin is a guy yeah. that i talk to every day but uh, you know we <laughs> we know who each other are yeah nice Got support <laughs> Um, okay, so the way that we always end our interviews or our podcasts is we do our hot takes. So we're going to ask you questions and you just like answer whatever comes to mind. They're not going to be hard questions, we swear. Okay. So first one, this will be an easy one. What was your favorite race of the past season? I know you kind of already talked about that. Uh, Laguna Seca race two. Nice. Awesome. Well, I'm happy that we were there for that. <laughs> we got to witness it yeah. in person, which was cool. Um, okay, next, oval or road course? As much as I love ovals, I have to say road courses. Okay. But, <laughs> but ovals is a close second out of the two. Okay. <laughs> but uh, actually, it's, it's really a thing that I have grown to love. It's, it's something completely new coming from Europe. But there goes so much more into it than than people realize, and I think it's a really really cool cool discipline. And I think you get some great racing on the ovals that you not always get on the road courses. Nice, yeah. good answer. Um, top bucket list racing goal for your career? Indy five hundred. There we go. Oh yeah, yeah, we love that. It's, it's okay. Very simple. As <laughs> as now a United States resident, do you have a favorite American fast food chain? Oh, um, yes. 
I I don't know if it's fast food chain. I guess it is a chain. Kava that are yeah. mostly like I think in the south a little bit. We don't have one in India, I think. But I really love that. I think that's great. I used to. Yeah. I would have said if you asked me a few years ago, I would have said Chipotle. Had a lot of Chipotle. <laughs> kind of got tired of that. Now I moved over to to Kava. Kava is like great. the 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 classy fancy version of chipotle so you've definitely upgraded yeah um, okay so someone told us that your favorite actor is morgan freeman great choice what is your favorite morgan freeman movie uh shawshank redemption yeah Correct answer. there's no <laughs> other answer <laughs> that's the best okay yeah. do you have a go-to starbucks order yes a uh, grande hot mocha with an extra shot of espresso. <laughs> the extra shot. Tiggy and I don't drink coffee, so that would send us. That would be that like, would yeah. send me the, through the, the normal roof. mocha. <laughs> the normal mocha is a little too sweet, so I need that extra shot to you know balance it, balance the chocolate out <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Very nice. Um, favorite non motorsport hobby. Pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things that I have. have have picked up uh, in the recent years. Love pickleball. We love that. Okay, and last one, hopefully easy for you. Top recommendation for anyone who's visiting Copenhagen. Um, top for Copenhagen, I would say you have to go visit Nyhavn, which is like a little harbor uh, inside of Copenhagen. That's where all of the the trade went in uh, in and out of Copenhagen back in the day. And beautiful oh, little nice. place, uh, like very special houses in, in different colors. And, and I think that's that's super pretty. That's like the, the ultimate spot. Very nice. Okay, well, mm-hmm. Christian, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was really fun to chat and hear more about your, your year. And we can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, Thanks bye. Thanks so much. Bye.